Welcome in, everybody. It's Matt DeMarinas here, um, bringing you the first episode of the Creighton Volleyball Weekend wrap-up of the 2022 season. I am joined, as always, um, by former Blue Jay Megan Ballinger. Um, so we are going to kick things off with, obviously, breaking down the Rumble and the Rockies tournament this weekend for the Jays. But before we do that, we have some catching up to do with everybody right obviously it's been a minute um some things have happened some life events right uh <laughs> megan is uh engaged now to uh former blue jay basketball player jacob epperson um so i'm gonna pick her brain about how that all went down and see if we can uh get her to tell that story on uh on this wonderful podcast um, and then we have a little bit, a little bit more exciting news after that. Quite, maybe not quite as exciting from Megan's perspective, um, but still something I think you guys would all be interested in. And then we'll jump into analyzing the weekend for the Jays. So first of all, Megan, congratulations, because that's incredible. And as someone who covered you and Jacob and kind of got to know you guys a little bit as you were in college, like just great people. I'm really happy for both of you. Um, how does it feel? Like how what, what set the kind of set the stage for everybody how did it go down and 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 how did he how did he perform in 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 executing <laughs> the game plan oh gosh um so well thank you um it everything is good i guess it's been a while now so we got engaged um back in february mm-hmm. um we were in cabo san lucas in mexico um on vacation um and luckily enough my my parents have a timeshare so um they were able kind of just to get a really big place and um, we also invited um, Jacob's parents to come uh, on vacation with like my parents um and so then me and him obviously um so he's good at all of our first times in that area and you know I just was excited for for vacation I had hinted way back when when um you know this became an idea i was like oh you know sounds like a great place to get engaged if both our parents are there not thinking anything of it but i you have to drop hints i feel like that's like every girl they're like let me drop yeah. some hints about this that was very um, subtle of you to say that by the way oh <laughs> super subtle i oh i was not subtle really about the whole thing um but so i did not think that he had bought a ring um initially or anything um uh, but it kind of got given away. Um, we we bought a house last fall too. So um, we lived together and a piece of mail came back um, and I was just confused who it was from or, you know, it was supposed to go to somebody and I didn't know what it was. I looked up the name on the thing and it was a jeweler. So I, and I got accused from like his mom, my mom, they're like, well, you went snooping. I was like, I just, it got returned and I looked up the name. I don't know what you want from me. So um, yeah, I kind of gave that away, but um, it was all good. We um, had a really good dinner the night of our engagement, and I still at that point did not think he had the ring because I assumed he had not paid for it <laughs> based upon the uh, thing in the mail coming back. Um, but yeah, he did, and it was good, pretty low-key, but we we're both kind of low-key anyway, so true, nothing, true. nothing crazy. Had some good food and went for a nice walk by the ocean, and got engaged so it was all good <laughs> nice so as you picture that moment in your mind you know that's like I, I imagine like when you're picturing uh you know those moments you're going to go through in life was it what you hoped it would be 
I didn't really have a, I guess I didn't really have an idea of like what I specifically wanted. I definitely knew what I wanted for my ring and everything. And I was not subtle about that. I sent many photos, um, <laughs> but I was not involved in picking it out. So he did a great job um, with that. So I was surprised like of what the ring actually ended up looking like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was like, we had a great meal and I mean, we're right on the beach, so you can't really do do better than that. I feel like that's an awesome place to get engaged. So, no complaints yeah, well, here. <laughs> well done, Jacob. Good job. Um, how did you two? How did you two meet? Is there a fun story behind that at all, or is it basic like college kids? Uh, it's pretty base. It's pretty basic. Um, we met just like our teams hanging out at school in somebody's apartment. Like everyone lives on campus, the athletes, or at least they did. Um, like when I was going to school. Mm -hmm. um so we'd all kind of float around hang out and that sort of thing and um yeah we just we met at, over at somebody's apartment and um connected over food he I mean Jacob loves to eat and I I just had said something like I like to cook right and then we were talking yeah. about something that his a dish his mom makes or whatever and I was like well I like I can make that you know um and so the next day he you know we had had a first conversation the night before um and then the the day after I see him crossing paths like by the CC um, on Creighton's campus, like going to get some treatment, you know, for uh, volleyball. And uh, he stops me and was like, oh, did you, you know, would you actually make dinner for me? And I did. So and then we kind of just went from there and it's been four and a half years now. So <laughs> well, there wasn't there wasn't any time wasted there. It was like first meet and then kind of just took it, took it, ran off with that, huh? Yeah, I guess I guess he was hungry or something. He wasn't into the dining hall food, or I don't know. He just was like, well, I need somebody that's, to that's like cook, cook me food, you know. <laughs> that's the running joke at Creighton is no one's into the dining hall food. So if you can find someone who can give you some authentic home cooked meal, that's probably a yeah. Keeper. Yeah, he's like, I need a girlfriend so I can eat some good food. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. I'm like, like I said, I'm really happy for you, and I'm sure all our listeners are as well. So that's really exciting. Uh, we do have one more bit of exciting news to catch people up on, um, before we jump into the volleyball weekend. You're going to do some color commentary this year for the Jays. Uh, you got a few matches booked, so you, people can look out for Megan Bowser to make her debut on. I assume it's all Flow Sports, right? There isn't any FS1 slots in there yet no maybe i think it's all flow sports i'm not exactly yeah. i know because nebraska public media is picking up some of them too right or yeah, yeah i think yeah. so i'm not sure which know. ones are on which platform but <laughs> yeah well, i'll be the, there yeah who can what, what matches are do you have um on the docket so far and that people can look forward to hearing you on um, it's the end of September, so I'm doing the Butler and Xavier. Um, I believe it's like a Wednesday and a Friday night match, um, which is a little bit different um, than yeah, normal. Sure. Um, and then the other one also is a little bit odd. It's in November. Um, it's a Friday afternoon game, so hopefully they can get a decent crowd down there for that one. But that should be should be a fun game. Nice. Are you nervous about making your your color commentary debut, or are you ready to rock? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was like, I know a lot of volleyball. It's just, uh, I guess, seeing what, what I can add that people will find interesting or maybe, like, help people learn some things maybe that they don't know. Um, so I'm excited, though. We'll see how it goes once we once we get going, and then I guess I'll have a little bit of practice and <laughs> kind of see what happens. 
Nice. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Uh, let's jump into the Rumble in the Rockies um, and get people kind of caught up in what happened with the Jays this weekend. Uh, obviously, they went 3-0 again. Fifth time in the last 11 years they've actually started 3-0, so it's not as common as you think. Um, but it has happened quite a bit over this last stretch since they, since they started their NCAA tournament streak. Um, so the Jays beat Iowa State. Uh, they swept Iowa State, actually, um, 25-21, 25-20. And then 25 22 in set three. Then they beat Wichita State later that same day in four sets. They won that 25 14, uh, 26 24, lost the third set, uh, 25 16, and then um, regrouped for the fourth, 25 13 to clinch it. Um, last night, they finished it off uh, trying a little bit of a tougher test against Wyoming than I think they may have anticipated going in. Um, they, dro- they dropped the first set pretty convincingly, 25 18. Um, rebounded to win the second one in dominant fashion, 25 to nine. And then the third set was a wild back and forth set. I think the Jays had five set points. Um, there was a late review, which was the only review of the day, I think. Um, and it was a little bit controversial based on a, the replay that the broadcast showed and then the overturn, which didn't get overturned right away. It actually got confirmed right away and then overturned a second later. Um, but the Jays rebounded after that to win at 30-28, and then uh, they kind of rolled in the fourth set, 25-13, to sweep the weekend. Um, so, yeah, let's let's start with Iowa State, I guess. Uh, you're – I mean, that's 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 a tough team um, historically, and from a tempo perspective, it's difficult, right, because they've got some, you know, things they can do offensively. They can give teams fits. Uh, but the Jays have kind of had their number lately. I, I think they've won now nine straight sets against them. You were part of six of those in 2018 and then the tournament match in 2019. Um, so it's actually the third straight time they've swept them in a match that counts, uh, not including last year's exhibition match. Um, but the Jays only trailed. They trailed one nothing in set one. That's the only time they trailed. They trailed early twice in a, a couple sequences in set two and then never trailed in set three. So really it was a pretty... Like the Jays were kind of on the front foot the entire time that match. What did you see from that? Yeah, you know, I thought they had a strong performance um, all around. And I think to kind of get that first match under your belt, too. I mean, this is the first match that counts. I know they had the exhibition against South Dakota. Um, but it's a little bit different when you're in, in you know, that first environment of that game. And um, I think, too, they're trying to figure out their lineup still a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of saw that um, progress throughout the three matches this weekend. Um, but I mean, I thought overall it was pretty, you know, a pretty strong performance. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have anything that, you know, kind of like really stood out to me all, all too much. I think the difference in blocking was kind of surprising. I think I guess that it? was the one big thing. Like I was, I was just a little bit surprised. I feel like it's yeah. usually the opposite, like when they play Iowa State. Um, so I guess that was the one big thing, but then I thought like blocking got better over the weekend for Crane. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised by the blocking in the Iowa State match, too. And I guess I didn't score the passing I because I, it was, you know, just first of all, the stream wasn't up right away and it was a little bit tricky. So um, I just don't like getting behind and then trying to catch up. Um, but the Jays out hit the Cyclones the whole match. And it, it's kind of weird when you see a blocking disparity that that big to see the hitting numbers go in favor of the team that got blocked that that much you know what I mean so it, it kind of lends me to believe that the Jays passed really well Do you, is that kind of what your your read is on that because they were able to make it up and still be efficient offensively despite Iowa State having the blocking edge 
Yeah, I thought they did. I mean, when I thought Kendra, you know, had a lot of options because they were up um, on the net, you know, for a good portion of it. So she could run the slide behind, you know, or she could have three options when she had three hitters up, um, which I think kind of lent to um, them having success there. But, yeah, I think just the amount of touches to, like, I didn't think Creighton touched as many balls to blocking, mm -hmm. like not even an ace block. I think you're used to seeing them get a few more touches and then making defense a little bit easier for those defenders behind them. Um, so I didn't see as much of that, but I think, you know, maybe they're just working their way into that and kind of figuring out who's next to who in those blocking schemes. For sure. How tricky is that first match when it's an opponent that, you know, that good, where you don't really get to, like, you know, work out the kinks because you're dealing with someone who, I mean, Iowa State has been in the NCAA tournament, I think. They were in the NCAA tournament last year, and they've been in the NCAA tournament, I think, all but one of the last four years, if I'm not mistaken, maybe one of the last five. They've only missed it one time. Um, how tricky is that from a preparation standpoint? Because you don't really know from their preseason, you don't have any film on them. You're kind of just going off stats and reports and uh, trying to figure out who's in what role and things like that. So how tricky is that from a preparation standpoint to get ready for a match like that? And what does a performance like like the Jays had kind of tell you about what they're what, what they have in, in their own gym? Yeah, I think Iowa State, I mean, like you kind of hinted at, is a team that Creighton and that coaches are very familiar with. Um, just the amount of times they've matched up in, in some, like, you know, big situations, like the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you kind of know their systems and what they like to do. Usually they like to run that middle pretty quick and then, you know, go outside to to those pins. And they've had, like, Eleanor Holthouse has been there now. I just think this is her fifth year. So she's somebody that, especially the older players, are familiar with how she swings um, and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, you can get kind of ready, mentally prepared. You've, you've seen this team. You've beaten this team historically. So I think that's something that kind of lends a little bit of confidence. Um, but, yeah, I always just think it's good to get that, like, first win under your belt. And especially, I mean, you're not at home. Um, it's a little bit different of an atmosphere than you're probably normally used to, you know, because I don't know how many fans traveled, you know, to Wyoming, but it's a little bit more of a remote like location and not extremely close to either Iowa State or Creighton. So um, I think just to work through some of those kinks and um, it's kind of a good time to like focus on your team too, I think, in bringing the energy um, to the gym when you maybe don't have a crowd behind you as much as you would at home. Mm -hmm. uh, then later that night against Wichita, Wichita played, I think, a five-setter with Wyoming. Um, after Creighton played Iowa State. So I think the Jays had a little bit of an edge if they could get into – if they could get an early lead, maybe they could win Wichita down a little bit because the legs would obviously be a little bit more heavier on the shocker side. Um, that's kind of – I don't know. That's kind of how it looked a little bit. You know, you when you look at – obviously Creighton played really well in the first set. I think everything was kind of clicking um, to, to the, what they planned it out. And then Wichita kind of got going a little bit. So you think, you, you know, you, I think that's – I would classify that as, like, a second wind. Like, Wichita kind of, you know, they were, the legs were a little bit heavy to start the match because they just got done with a five-setter a, a few hours ago. And then they kind of got into the flow of things because you saw the, the sets one and four, Wichita hit negative uh, 072. But sets two and three, they hit 306. So I think they kind of got their second win a little bit in the middle of that match. Um, you know, they made they made um, set two close. They made it competitive. They won set three pretty convincingly. Um, and then I think, you know, even I think Kirsten even mentioned this in postgame that 
she felt like Wichita kind of got a little bit gassed at the end of, you know, at some point in set four, because you saw their substitution patterns um, change to a degree that she felt like they were just kind of, you know, calling calling it off essentially. Um, but I think the, the disparity in set one, set one and four, and then sets two and three kind of lends to itself to, to believe that the kind of the Jays won that with a, with kind of a battle of attrition. Like they kind of wore Wichita down a little bit. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard. I mean, Crane has so many options, um, you know, for hitters and that sort of thing that, you know, if it's not falling for somebody else, you can kind of switch and go back to somebody else and, you know, maybe come back and somebody else is available, um, you know, in the third or fourth set. So I think that's kind of part of it. And yeah, like you said, I mean, they just kind of had a battle earlier that day and it's hard to play back-to-back matches with really good teams. <laughs> and that's the 10th win in the last 12 uh, meetings between the for the Jays against the Shockers. So I know Creighton fans will like that because they always love seeing Wichita State lose things. Um, <laughs> last night was interesting, though, I thought, the Wyoming match. Because I, I think the first set was a little bit – was really surprising. I don't know – of the three teams that I thought Creighton was going to play this weekend – I thought it would get kind of progressively easier for them. You know, I thought Iowa State would be really tricky. I thought Wichita State would be tough because they're really unconventional and they've got some, they have a lot of talent returning from a team that was kind of, uh, I think they finished what in the top 70 ish of the RPI last year. So they had a decent season. Um, They have a lot and they brought brought a lot back. So I thought that was going to be a tricky match too. But I also thought the way the schedule laid out that if Wichita didn't, dispatch of Wyoming in pretty convincing fashion that they would probably wear out wear down against Creighton which ended up happening Wyoming match was a little bit surprising I don't I don't know if Creighton expected to be pushed by Wyoming the way they were Um, the first set was obviously almost all Wyoming after the first you know six or so points right Um, it didn't look like Creighton could get any rhythm going um, could put any runs together could stop Wyoming's momentum then that you get that second set reset and you're always like kind of curious, like, okay, this is interesting because how does Creighton come out in this one? If, if I feel like if they were to squeak it out, it would probably still give Wyoming a lot of confidence. But the fact that they dominated it the way they did allowed kind of Creighton to settle into the match a little bit. And then set three is back and forth. And you're like, Ooh, this is Wyoming's not going to go away here. This is interesting. Um, what was your read on that, that performance, both from Creighton's perspective and Wyoming's? Yeah, it's one of those matches that kind of makes you go like, hmm, like this is, you know, what's going on here? I mean, just looking at the scores too after the fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really a battle. And, you know, that first set I thought for a little bit. And then, yeah, like you said, Wyoming pulled away. And then um, Creighton kind of came out, you know, and I that's what you want to see as a coach. Um, and as a player, you want to see your team respond and just like dominate, you know, just kind of be like pissed that you lost the first set. And I think you saw that Crane came out and was like, all right, this, we're not messing around. Like we're taking care of this. And then you win that easily. I mean, 25 to nine. And then that third set turns into more, you know, let's relax a little bit. I think you talk about like, okay, we can't relax, but I think you just inadvertently do a little bit. You're like, okay, like it's, we got things going now. Like we don't need to have quite as much intensity. And I think that's, you saw that go 30, 28 and a bit of a dramatic fashion. Um, And then, Crane obviously just dominated that fourth set too. I think Wyoming, like you said, probably ran out of gas and um, just emotionally maybe wasn't there as much as they were earlier in that game. 
Set three, the end of set three is interesting to me because you're always looking kind of early in the season. And I don't know if, if, if you did this as a player, you're kind of trying to see what your mental makeup is, right? That's always the one thing that you can't kind of quantify on paper. You know, it's kind of just you just have certain tells in a match. It's like eye contact. It's energy. You're just trying to read people and understand how they are in certain situations. That's probably the toughest part of what we do as analysts is trying to figure out that sweet spot. Like, okay, if they're performing well, what does it look like? If they're not performing well, what does it look like? And what's everything in between? Like, how can you tell what kind of a day it's going to be based on all those tells, right? I think set three is, I think set three against Wyoming is really interesting. And it's probably the, for me, it was the most interesting point of anything that happened this weekend because you're getting pushed by this team that you didn't expect to be as stingy as they're being right now. Right. I think of the three teams that Creighton prepared for this weekend, they probably, again, like I said earlier, they probably thought it was going to get progressively easier as they went on. Right. So they would have, you know, when you look at Iowa state, that's going to be really tough, which does really tough because the second match of the day. And because of what we talked about with which job bringing back a lot from a team that was pretty tough last year as well. Wyoming, you have a full day to kind of, get your legs under you, prepare for, um, and then from a physicality standpoint, you feel like you have the advantage at several positions that, you know, that should just lend itself to um, bigger runs, longer swings of momentum for you, and you could take control of that match pretty easily. Um, set three is interesting to me because after Wyoming dominated set one and Creighton dominated set two, set three was like the decider. Neither team was backing down, right? They were both swinging for it. They were both being aggressive. Um, they weren't letting other teams, the other the other side go on a big run. They were kind of always staying within striking distance, always siding out. And then you have Creighton's like, they've got like four set points at, at this point, I think. Um and just can't put it away, right? Wyoming keeps answering, keeps responding, keeps siding out, keeps staying in it. And then you have a review, which is the first review of the entire match. Honestly, it's the first, I think it was the first review of the whole weekend, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, from when you're looking at it on the broadcast, you're like, you don't really see uh, an avenue for this to be an overturn because you're not seeing conclusive evidence of the ball being and hitting any part of that white line to stay in, right, for it to be a point for Wyoming as opposed to one for the Jays. Um, and this is when it's tied. So whoever gets this point is going to have set point. And they review it, and they come out, and they actually confirm it to be a Creighton point at first. So Creighton re-celebrates the point again, right? They they, they get that mojo back going. And then, they, then he switches the call, like – I don't know, three to five seconds later and give it to Wyoming, which then shifts all the momentum to their side of the net and confuses Creighton a little bit. So that's a very jarring moment, right? Where you're like, wait a second, you just, we, first of all, we thought we got it originally. Then you confirmed it. Then you took it away. What's going on here? You know what I mean? Um, and while Creighton's kind of like, you know, disoriented trying to figure out what just happened, Wyoming's like, cool, we're one point away from the, being up 2-1 against a top 25 team. Let's go get this thing, you know? Um, and what happened after that was basically, again, that that kind of pissed off mentality you talked about in set two was like, okay, you took this from us. We're going to go take this back, you know, definitively and, and leave no doubt. 
and I think it was Kill Nora, either uh, I think it was Block or Ace Keeley, and then Kill Nora, and it was it was a wrap. So, what did you think of Creighton's response in that moment as as we lay out all those adverse situations that are a little bit unusual and that can be a little bit disorienting from a momentum standpoint? What did Creighton's response to that tell you about them? I mean, I think it just tells you that they're resilient. And for something like that to happen to them so early in the season, it's it's almost a good thing. Um, because, I mean, I had instances where things like that happen to our team, like when we're in the NCAA tournament. And that's when you can't choke, right? Like you don't get another, you don't get another choice. Like your season's done if you don't um, respond. So, I mean, that's some adversity that, I think they got the call wrong, but at the same time, it's going to happen, you know, and it, even with the technology, the way it is, um, things like that happen for whatever reason, even when it doesn't seem like it's sensible. So um, I think, you know, I just think it's a good response and I'm sure the coaching staff was happy just to see them kind of get those two points. You And in practice, you'll play a lot of games um, in practice that are like, you have to go for consecutive points. You know, you can't, you can't trade points. Um, so it was good to see them be able to squeeze out those last two points um, right in a row, especially after that match had been so back and forth. And I mean, you're into the thirties with the final score. So that doesn't happen every day either. And you're at altitude too. So your, your legs are probably just almost gone. And then mentally you're trying to figure <laughs> that it too, out yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that finished out the, the three, and know, weekend. Uh, Nora sis was the, Rumble in the Rockies tournament MVP. So let's kind of break these down a little bit. I I, I, I highlighted five people that I think I want to talk about. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll 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 banter about them, and then um, if you have anybody that you feel like is worth uh, had some interesting moments this weekend, we can we can break those down as well. Um, so first one is Norris. This she was the Rumble in the Rockies MV, tournament MVP this weekend. She averaged 4.91 kills per set, uh, over two digs per set, hit 250. Um, she was getting served ridiculously. Like they were, she had the first and third contact a lot this weekend. Um, two double doubles against Iowa State and Wichita State, and then 22 kills against Wyoming, one off of her career high. Uh, how did Nora Sis in, you know, kind of the, the opening weekend of her sophomore season look to you? I mean, I thought she looked good. Um, she got a ton of attempts. I think that was the one thing that kind of stuck out to me, like um, far and away. She got the most attempts, I think, in every every single game, um, which is okay. But, you know, I think if she's performing well, it's going well for you. Um, but I think hopefully down the road, you know, they can trust a few more hitters when they get people in those slots um, that you can have a little bit more even distribution. I mean, I think you're probably going to look at her being um, that player for them. That's going to need to lead them. Um, and she scored the most points, you know, total, just of everything that she contributed, I think, um, to in most in most of these games. So I think she's somebody that they're going to rely on really heavily. Um, but, you know, you kind of hope you see other people step up um, and Kendra trusts other hitters. And um, that way it's, it can be not so, I guess, expected. I think it's a little bit easier a scout um if you're like wow look Nora's getting 40 attempts in a game and you know the next person after that was like 24 um in their game against Wyoming so or Wichita State I mean so I don't know I think it's good I mean I'm happy for her obviously she's playing really well but I think that parity aspect is something that hopefully um continues to grow um for this Creighton team as they move along 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. That's probably the one takeaway when you're looking to see how it looks going forward because she's with, with Jayla Zimmerman out rehabbing the torn ACL, which, you know, we talked about it at the end of last year, you know, how untimely that injury is because you can't really get yourself back to being, a, you know, a, a six rotation hitter rehabbing an ACL that quickly with the season right around the corner. Right. And based on when it happened. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because Nora, I think every, going in now, everyone's going to know that Nora is the number one. So everyone's going to be trying to shut her down. You know, they're going to be serving mm-hmm. her more often because they know she's getting the third contact a lot. So if you can give her the first contact, how does she handle that? Will she wear down? Um, you know, if you if you can get Creighton into a five setter, what how how do Nora's legs feel? You know, in in set five, um, when every point is crucial, that kind of thing. So yeah, going forward, Creighton's going to have to, you know, spread that thing out a little bit more. Um, it's not that you can't have a, a fifty or sixty set match for Nora every now and then, right? But every if you start to make it a pattern. I think it's going to be a little bit easier for opposing teams to kind of lock in on Creighton and get and scout them and figure out how to, you know, how to get them out of sync offensively. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, those are things to identify now, right? I mean, you played one match of your regular season. So I think if that's something that's identified now and there's a, sometimes a concerted effort because I mean, Kendra might not even know, right? Like I'm not going to know the amount of sets that I've said to her after it's all said and done, but I think, just looking at that being like, okay, so let's make a conscious effort. Maybe like if I have the chance to throw one back instead, you know, of making maybe a little bit easier of the set outside, maybe I can do that and we can see, you know, how things go for us. For sure. Uh, speaking of Kendra, she also had an amazing weekend. Uh, over 12 assists per set, um, over two digs per set, over a kill per set for a setter is really good. She hit 500, no errors all weekend. Um, 28 attempts, which I think is a good number. I think a, num- a number you like to see from a setter, right? Because you're you're making your offense a little bit hard to predict if the setter is that aggressive looking for her own openings. Um, and then she was all tournament team. Sorry, I got paused a little bit there for a second. Uh, yeah, she was all tournament team as well. Uh, I You know, I thought she was really good o- offensively, defensively. Um you know, maybe you want to see a little bit more distribution, but in terms of her efficiency and, um, you know, hitting that slide, getting that back row, uh, getting the back row involved, like I thought she was really good. I mean, I thought she was I'm, – I'm understating a little bit. She was incredible. I thought that – between Nora and Kendra, they're off to incredible starts of their sophomore season, aren't they? Yeah, I think exactly. You hit it right on the head um... – you know, I think they're both just having strong all-around performances. And, you know, whether it's her, Kendra, getting kills um, or just, you know, distributing. I mean, she had a ton of assists, um, obviously, and led Creighton to a pretty good efficiency, I would say. I mean, for first time out of the gate um, in most of the games. Um, so, you know, not many complaints there. And then, um, you know, she's always been a great defender, um, just a really good all-around volleyball player. So, I think you kind of see those things continue to get better. And then I think the setting part is, you know, and that distribution is something that her ceiling's really high. And so she can just keep getting better and better. And then Keely Davis had an incredible match against Wyoming, kind of did a little bit of everything. She earned herself an all-tournament nod too. 
Um, but she was at 2.73 kills or digs per set, which was second on the team. Um, she had six aces and four errors all weekend. And um, she had 35 receptions and no reception errors. So think about think about how she's passing when she's handling the ball like that. Um, and and Kirsten Brinthal Booth raved about her passing this weekend as well, just to, you know for an expert analysis there. Um, but ten digs, eight kills, no errors, four aces, four blocks against Wyoming. She, I mean, she had eight kills and she scored fifteen points. Think about that. Like, you know what I mean? You're 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 almost doubling up your kills with how much you're scoring. That's that's pretty incredible. I think I think she had an amazing match against Wyoming and a pretty solid weekend overall. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's been interesting to see because uh, I know like I went to their blue wide and um to their um, exhibition too, and I think it, the question for me kind of was like, what role would she be playing? Um, for them, you know, is she gonna be like more defensive minded? So she's gonna is she gonna pass? Is she gonna play defense? You know, is she gonna be serving? I think she's somebody that the coaching staff wants to have back there. You know, whenever they can to serve. So, um, you know, I thought, and of course, her offense, I think, was the thing that maybe you talked about when she was younger, right? Like those were the things that were flashy, but I think she's gotten to a point where she's a really strong all around player, you know, in the back row. And I think defensively um, from the service line, she's just really kind of leveled up her play um, from that area. So I think it'll be interesting to see how down the road, you know, is she taking that defensive um, position more often, you know, is somebody in the front row playing for her or is she going to be in there? for six rotations, uh, you know, hitting and playing defense. So I think she could do both. I think it's just a matter of kind of what works best um, overall for the team. For sure. Uh, Kiana Schmidt had a kind of a breakout year last year, right? Um, and I think it was it was, it was was interesting to me to see how she was going to springboard that because you're always kind of wondering, you know, when a, when a player has season where they kind of level up and you're like, oh, that was really interesting. They, they put together – some really good performances, what does that do for their confidence level? And how does it translate to, you know, all the work in the weight room and all the work in the gym and all the reps that they have in the off season leading up to the follow-up here, right? I It looks like it looks like last year was a huge boost for Kiana based on that first week. I mean, based on that first weekend, at least, you know, it's a small sample size, but she was second in kills per set on the team behind Nora. That's, in, that's pretty, that's, that's a statement really, in my opinion, when you're, you know, when Nora is the only one who's outpacing you from an offensive standpoint, I think you're you're telling people something. Um, and she hit 300 too. So it was 2.64 kills per set, which is second behind Nora, and she hit 300, which is efficient. So I mean, a pretty good weekend offensively for for Kiana Schmidt, and a good indication that last year did a lot to boost um, her belief in herself, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, the coaches trust her, I think. And you and you see that from her position, too, in that lineup. So she's up there um, for two of her rotations. She's there's only two hitters. So it's her and then an outside hitter and then Kendra. Um, so, you know, usually that's the middle that has to carry a little bit more load just because they're an offensive option all the time and there's not a right side in there. Um, so I think, you know, even with Kendra being like the offensive threat that she is, Kiana is looked upon to, you know, run a lot of slides. And I think that's kind of her bread and butter, as you saw this weekend, but she does it really efficiently. So hopefully they can keep fine tuning that and, um, you know, move her around too and kind of just see what other options they have with her if they want her to be in that position. Um, she carries so much offensive load. 
And the last one I wanted to bring up kind of pairs with what you were talking about there with Kiana and trying to find different ways to kind of get those middles and right sides involved, right? Um, uh, the first two matches this weekend for Kiara back, for, I think she was out. I mean, you can include the, the South Dakota match and the blue-white as kind of matches, but um, I think it was like 16 months, if you think about it, between the last, between the Moorhead State match and the NCAA tournament. Which she was incredible in, by the way. I think she was like 13 kills, no errors, um, five or six blocks. Like it was kind of like, oh, Kiana is going to be really good next year. And then the injury, right, which took out. For first of all, like side side note for a second, Clinton went 31 and four last year and had an incredible defensive year without Kiara Reinhardt. Like, is that how do you? I can't even process that. Like, that's insane to me. But especially after watching her this weekend, right? So the first two matches, like 10 kills on 19 attempts, no errors. Uh, she had eight blocks. That's a 526 hitting percentage from, I don't know, from a question mark, right? Like how 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 physically ready is she, you know, from being off an entire year and for having a back injury? That's not, if you're talking about athletics, like when you're talking about debilitating injuries and things that are probably the hardest to come back from, I would think the back is up there at the top because it just it's a central part of everything, right? If you're not comfortable in that part of your body, I don't think you're comfortable doing anything essentially. Um, so it, it, last year had to be incredibly hard for her, and to see her kind of get off to a good start this year, I think is really encouraging. And um, it'll be interesting to see you know what kind of uh, impact she's going to have because I imagine if they if they manage her workload um and kind of get her back into the swing of things you know to a safe degree that gets her back to 100 percent and feeling good mentally and physically that she could have a pretty big impact on this team yeah i think she can definitely um and she's such a presence at the net too um with blocking so i think you know that's that's another aspect that obviously is so important and both kiara and kiana um, are really strong blockers. So I think um, just to have them in there in the middle, kind of directing everything um, is really important. And hopefully, you know, you'll kind of see Kiara start to get more comfortable too, running, a, a, you know, different sets. And she's in that position where she's in front of that setter a little bit more because there's another right side in um, typically. So, you know, hopefully she's, she's moving around doing 31s, ones, pushes, you know, maybe she's running sixes behind. So um, I think she can kind of play that role well. Um, and hopefully she just gets really comfortable and, um, you know, her setter can get comfortable finding her um, when she needs to. I don't know if you remember it's just to dig back to that Moorhead State match and the way she looked in that NCAA tournament stage, right? Like, what is her potential to you when you see her and see the some of the things that she does um, on the court? Obviously, and I, I think she brings a lot of energy, too, because she's fiery, you know? she's She's got some swagger. What 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 do you feel like her her potential is, um, especially as it fits with this current team, right? She's you know she's still kind of young in her career, um, but then again, when you look at Nora and Kendra, they are too. So there's a chance for her to kind of fit in to that a little bit and kind of turn into a leader as those you know when you grow up with those two in the program, right? Like, what is her potential to you, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think she's somebody that has such a high ceiling and. Um... She's just so physical, and I think, too, um, hitting her reach is so high. I mean, I, I don't think you realize how tall she is, but she's a big presence up there, and 
Um, if they can find that connection in the middle and, you know, get her reaching high for the ball, I think she's somebody that could just be super effective just because, you know, her size and just her athletic ability to get up there and um, swing away, I think is just, you know, it's not everybody. It's not everybody's thing that they can do. But, um, you know, if she's really effective up in front of that setter, I think she can just get better and better. And like you said, she's so young. Um, and she truly, uh, you know, she had to take time off. You know, she she couldn't even, like, do any practicing for multiple months of her in injury. So um, from that aspect, you know, she she had to wait and work her way back in. So I think as you see her get really comfortable and think she's somebody that, like you said, is fiery and I think would be like, hey, Kendra, you know, give me the ball. You know, she's somebody that's like, you know, find me. I want to be involved. You know, I want to I want to be up there to block and I want to be really efficient as a hitter. So I think it'll be exciting to see her just get better and better. Gotcha. Um, that's that's all. Those, those are the five that I uh, noted. I, I didn't really. I, it was hard for me to like key in on the back row, but I think that is like something we need. We probably need to, you know, focus on because Abby Bottomley last year was incredible, right? So, you know, replacing her and what does the passing look like? How consistent is it? Um, I think that's going to be a question mark for this team until, you know, for a, for a few more weeks at least. Uh. Because that's a that's a that was a big part of why they were successful last year. I think they were a great passing team, especially with Jayla. You're taking Jayla and Abby away, which were arguably two of the best passers on the team last year, right? Because Jayla's not ready. Um and Abby and Jayla were really good servers too. So there's a whole like, you know, kinetic thing going on here in terms of why they were so good defensively. You know, it starts with the serve, and then they were obviously passing really well, which helped their offensive efficiency. I mean, it all kind of flows into one, you know, one kind of chain a little bit there. Um, from a performance standpoint. So I think there's some things that are interesting that are going to be interesting about this team to watch. And, and, you know, those D that DS DS group is, is I think probably the one that I'm most intrigued to see how it kind of comes together and how it develops. Um, but I thought they passed really well this weekend. So the first impressions are pretty good. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. They have a lot of options. Yeah. Like you said, in that like kind of DS libero sphere um, of people. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see who settles in and gets that that starting spot. Um, but I thought too, like Ellie Bolton came in yesterday and was like nails from the service line in the Wyoming yes, game. So right, big. She's surge, somebody right? you know that she's you know kind of played that DS role and then now she's kind of in that serving specialist role. Um, so I, you know I think if they can get somebody that is really strong behind the service line, I think you know they can earn themselves a spot either in that DS position or in that um, serving specialist um, position. Okay, so next weekend is the Blue Jay Invitational, so the Jays will be at home um, for three matches. This is this is a pretty crazy tournament. Um, I think it. I think people. I think the place is gonna be packed out like crazy. But if you aren't and you don't have any plans yet, get yourself some volleyball tickets because you're gonna want to be at DJ Sokol Arena this weekend. Um, it starts with uh, USC versus Northern Iowa at ten thirty a.m. on Friday. And then Northern Iowa and Kentucky's at five o'clock on Friday, and then seven thirty Creighton's in the primetime slot against the Trojans um, at seven thirty. So obviously those times are all subject to change based on how those matches run into each other, especially at night. Um, then on Saturday they turn around and uh, the Jays will pl play Kentucky at ten thirty at DJ Soko Arena, um, and then Kentucky and USC will play at the five p.m. match, and then Creighton will close out the tournament against Northern Iowa at 7.30. And then, then after that, we'll, you know, we'll obviously get you 
all caught up on that weekend, but Nebraska's right around the corner a couple days later. So this is kind of a big stretch for the Jays. Like ready or not, here you go. Um, that schedule sets up that way, though. It's 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 a it's a it's a you know from on paper, based on what everybody that's on the schedule did last year, it might be the toughest one they put together because you think about nine of the eleven non-conference teams were all top seventy-five RPI teams. A lot of them won the NCAA tournament. A lot of them won matches in the NCAA tournament. Like. You know, that's that's it's going to be a test for them. But I think they like it that way. I think that's kind of like what they've established is like we're going to play the toughest teams we can find in the non-con and build ourselves up kind of iron, iron sharpens iron type of strategy there. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I guess you could call this weekend the warm up and then you just kind of kind of hit the road run and then. You go, and um, this tournament is always fun. I mean, we played in this tournament every year. I was at Creighton, yeah. so it's always competitive. Um, and like you saw, Kentucky got beat this weekend um, by Marquette. Mm-hmm. And Marquette's right. So I think anything's, yeah, anything's up for grabs with this tournament. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really fun to watch these matches. What are your some of your memories of playing in this tournament and kind of what uh, – I'm pretty sure all the coaching staffs are the same except for USC's from when you were playing. So, um from a tactical standpoint, you know, what does what are the challenges that Northern Iowa, USC, and Kentucky present to Creighton? You know, I think both USC and Kentucky are just really physical teams. Like tradi- traditionally, they're very physical teams. They have a lot of options um, coming at you, and you have to be really strong defensively. And then I think on the other side of it, Northern Iowa is that team that's really, really good at defense and is really scrappy, and you always talk about, like, they're going to get that ball up and you're probably going to have to do, you know, two or three attempts to get a kill down oftentimes. Um, so kind of a little bit of different look, I think. Um, so, you know, Friday USC will just be, that's always a tough game for whatever reason. You know, when I was there, USC, it was always a battle um, to play them. And then Kentucky, obviously Creighton and Kentucky have matched up quite a lot um, over the years. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's usually a good game. So um, and then Northern Iowa, I think, is that old, you know, MVC kind of rivalry um, team. And both coaching staffs are really familiar with each other. Um, and I think everybody will be ready to go. So it's it's a great tournament for everyone that's local. Yeah, if you can get out and watch it. Those are some really, really good teams. For sure. So DJ Sokol Arena is the place to be that we, this weekend for those matches. Um, we're going to log off here because people are starting to fill in. I'm at, I'm at the soccer uh, stadium right now, so the matches are getting – starting to get warmed up and get underway so a lot of background noise so it's a good time to close it out um so yeah we appreciate everybody for listening and uh if you've missed our preseason chat with kirsten bernthal booth you can listen to that we started a patreon page so that's patreon.com slash white blue review um just type that in it's 4.99 a month uh we have uh podcast with kirsten bernthal booth johnny torres ross Pauly, and uh most recent creighton men's basketball commit josiah dotzler so check those out, uh, and obviously on that we'll have tons more exclusive, in-depth interviews, um, lot of full game rewatches with ex-players, and um, post-game analysis and things like that, like you find here. Uh, so for Megan Ballinger, I'm Matt DeMarinis. Uh Thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been your Week One Creighton Volleyball Weekend Wrap Up. Everybody have a good week.